Uh, I was born in a small town called Masjid Suleiman in southern Iran. I born in Syria. I was born in Hamburg, Germany. I was born in Congo. I was born in Tanzania in a refugee camp. I was born in Singapore. Guatemala City. I'm from Ireland. I was born in Thailand refugee camp. I was camp. born in Mumbai. India. I was born in Vientiane. I was born in England. I was born in Costa Rica. Welcome to Many Roads to Hear, bringing the voices of immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers to a national conversation about migration and identity. I'm your host, Caitlin Dwyer. Before we begin, a quick plug. We are looking for radio producers, especially those from immigrant communities, to join our team. We're all volunteer for now, but we've got dreams. Please email mrh at theimmigrantstory.org for more information. Now for today's story. As a teenager, Yamini Rajan struggled with mental health. She was dealing with bullying, isolation, culture shock, a sick parent. She ended up with destructive habits that nearly ended her life. But learning to express herself and tell her own story has helped her on the path toward healing. A warning to listeners, today's episode contains descriptions of self-harm. You have to decide, am I going to continue down this dark hole or am I going to like get up and like actually fight for my life? And that's not always easy to do, but sometimes like choosing the hard way is like what saves you. In seventh grade, Yamini Rajan was struggling. Her family had recently moved to the U.S. from India. Her mother was in cancer treatment and she felt numb and alone. And my parents were very, like, consumed with, like, trying to make sure my mom was okay, you know, because she was still, like, in cancer treatment. I was just really isolated, and so I started self-harming myself a lot. Like, a lot of this, like, unhappiness led to, like, an eating disorder, you know, I wasn't eating at all. I don't remember being scared. I don't remember being, like, worried about anything. I just knew that I wanted everything to end. But Yamini's mental health struggles had started years earlier, as an elementary school student in Bangalore, India. School was definitely, like, hard for me in Bangalore. Like, there was, in my class, there was, like, a lot of bullying. So I remember my class was maybe 25 people. And then there was always, like, this thing where the popular kids would always pick one person and then everyone else would just, you know, pick on that one person. And so for me, like, I ended up being that one person a lot of the times. I can't really pinpoint a reason as to why I was always singled out. I was, like, a really shy kid growing up and like that made me even more shy I guess like I remember there was another girl in my class with the same birthday as me and so when you're young you invite your entire class to your birthday party so that girl's mom and my mom decided that hey like you know why don't we just have a joint birthday party and I remember it was my it was the birthday and then everyone was playing hide and seek and I remember like the entire class locked me in a room and then like just ran away and continued the party <laughs> without me. And, you know, I laugh about it now because it's kind of funny to think about, but it was just like a really traumatic experience to have. When she entered middle school, Yamini hoped for a new start. Instead, she found herself increasingly isolated and began to look for attention. I became really, really controlling as a person because I couldn't control what was going on at school. 
I was in a lot of drama. Like I would I would find people that were super problematic and like make friends with them so I could be in the center of the drama because I was being so excluded at school that I needed some form of entertainment, which, you know, it's like really embarrassing to think about now. But I guess that was just the way I was coping with like not having any friends at school. I didn't really have a relationship with my parents in at that time. Yeah, because I think living in India, like, there's so much going on around you all the time that me and my sister had our own lives. My dad was always working. So he would like leave really early in the morning, come back really late at night. And then on weekends, me and my sister would be out. So we'd never really see him. And for my mom, like, sure, we'd see her sometimes, but we didn't really have a relationship with her. So that's like what that's why like when we decided to move here, I was actually really relieved because I like it was like a fresh start. Yamini's family moved when she was 11 years old. Her father got a job with Nike, so they relocated to Oregon, close to the company headquarters. She had visited relatives in the States before, but living in the U.S. was not like visiting family. It was really different. Like there was such a culture shock just because I found that the education here was so much more relaxed kids were talking back to teachers and like they didn't have to they had their feet up on the desk and they were handing out candy in classrooms what was also really surprising to me was a lot of the kids were really really ignorant about where i was from you know when they'd learned that i was from from india they'd be like oh do you ride elephants there or have you ever seen an iphone before like do you live in a mud hut you know like i heard everyone in india has malaria and then I remember, like, very specifically one girl, like, trying to teach me what running wa- water was because she didn't think we had running water in India. So she like, walked me over to the taps and was like, if you turn this on, water will come out. And this is how we get water in America. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. It changed in seventh grade when I became friends with the bad group of kids, I guess you could call them. I became friends with this girl who was going through a lot of the same things as me in the sense she had a lot of the same emotions, like her circumstances were different, but she was also like going through depression. She had a lot of anxiety. She was friends with a lot of older guys and she was she put herself in a lot of really, really dangerous situations. And then by association and by being her friends, like I was put in a lot of really dangerous situations as well. It wasn't really a party. It was just like me, her, and a couple of high school boys wandering the streets at like 2 or 3 a.m. And my parents were sleeping. My parents had no idea. I would just leave. And, you know, for me, like, I was so upset and angry and emotionally numb that I didn't really care about the consequences. Anything could have happened. It's it's really scary to think about, like, if I think about, like, the situations I was putting myself into, like, hanging out with guys who were way, a couple years older than me and drinking at 2 a.m. at night, anything could have happened. I'm really, really lucky that nothing happened that could have ruined my future or put me in a worse position. And not everyone is that lucky. And I'm also really lucky that I, as, yes, this was an unhealthy friendship, but at least I had someone to talk to about my feelings, you know? It was a really unhealthy friendship in the fact that we had like a suicide pact with each other where it was like, if you kill yourself, I'll kill myself, which was super dangerous because we we're both wildly suicidal at this point. <laughs> During this time, Yamini's mother was battling cancer. As the family focused on that difficult healing process, 
Yamini found her own mental health problems overlooked. She began to self-harm, hiding the results from her parents. They didn't know I was cutting myself, and I would come home and act like I was perfectly fine, and they didn't notice. So, like, they didn't really notice the fact that I was, like, you know, spending a lot of time upstairs in my room alone, or the fact that, you know, I was gone at night. But, like, I couldn't say I have depression because I didn't know that. I didn't know what I was supposed to be fighting, and I didn't know, like, what I was supposed to be dealing with because I didn't know what I was going through. I would cut myself on my wrists and my thighs with a razor blade. My friend was doing it, and it was—it seemed to be working for her. And then I was like, "Hey, well, why don't I try it?" And then something like that becomes really, really addictive. Where like once you start doing it, you're like releasing all this like pain that you just want to do it again. grade like pretty right after school started things had gotten so so low that I didn't really care anymore and so I I attempted suicide because I didn't really see any point in like do like doing anything else I mean my life was like so dark and like angry and like I was just so I was I would I can't even say I was upset or uh, upset or angry because I didn't really have any like feelings or emotions anymore like, I just felt like I was just, like, really numb to everything around me. I just walked to Walgreens. You know, I took $20 from my mom's wallet, walked to Walgreens, bought the pills, and walked back home and just did it. I'm really, really fortunate in the fact that, like, the, the, my body rejected it so quickly that I, like, threw up all the medication almost immediately, like, maybe 10 or 15 minutes afterwards, and then I just passed out. I woke up, cleaned everything up, and, like, acted like nothing ever happened, you know? And it wasn't until later, like almost like a couple of weeks later that I realized like, hey, I need to figure something out. That was Yamini's lowest point. She eventually told her school therapist what had been going on. He wanted to help and told her he was required to talk with her parents. Her mom got the news one night just before a dinner party. When she asked her daughter about the incident, Yamini avoided the question and fled to her room. After the guests departed, her mom told her dad what Yamini had been going through. Like, she told him, I don't know what their conversation was, but I know that she told him, and then he came up to my room and I was sleeping. I heard them come in, and then my dad was looking at my arms, because I didn't wear like a long sleeve to go to bed that day so he could see all the cuts. He just started crying at my bed. And then he was like, I don't know why she would do this to herself. I remember this whole conversation. Like, I remember them talking to each other and I was about me and I was just laying there and that I was, they thought I was asleep. And that's like the only time in my life I've ever heard my dad cry. They set up a meeting and then I started going to therapy therapy is like the kind of thing like you have to make like an active effort to like get better otherwise it's not gonna work right like you can go there and talk about i would i would just go there and talk about surface level things i would never like fully address the issue so things weren't really getting better because i was still avoiding all my problems and the thing is like now that i started going to therapy i still felt the same like i didn't really see much of a difference which is why like in april like 2014 i um 
like had like a big breakdown um and i had to be hospitalized when i was hospitalized when that it i could tell that it was really heartbreaking for my family to have to come visit me in like a psych unit you know every day for like 14 days and it's only once i was like that i was hospitalized that i realized i should i should actually start taking things seriously because now like it doesn't just affect me anymore like now that other people know about it it's affecting them as well Yamini committed to getting better. The hospital offered a rigid structure, and for the first time, she put her whole self into the task of healing. Her few weeks there helped a lot, but she was worried. What would happen when she got out? Would she slide back into depression and self-harming? I was really scared because in the psych ward, there's like a very set routine of things that you do, right? You wake up at a certain time, and then you eat breakfast at a certain time, and you go to group therapy from this time to this time. Okay, I've spent all this time like building all these tools and like making all this progress in here. Is that is it gonna work out there? But my first therapy appointment back is like when I actually started making showing progress and improving because I was actually trying, you know, like now to make like an act change and make a difference. I started uh, going to like a theater group. I joined a theater group and they had like different classes. So I took like a theater makeup class and I took a dance class. There was a really strong sense of community because everyone wanted the best for everyone. And it got me out of my comfort zone a lot because I never thought that I could perform or I could sing or dance or any of these things. And then I started going to like art class again because art has always been my really big passion. It's something that I've loved for a really long time. I worked really, really hard to get myself to a point where I could enjoy the final months of middle school before I started high school. And I was really, really excited for high school. I was really motivated to like do well and not just academically, but like socially as well. I was really excited. In high school, she thrived. She was part of International Baccalaureate, Key Club, and Asha International, a nonprofit devoted to mental health education. Asha, which means hope in Sanskrit, offers people a chance to tell their stories and normalize conversations around depression, anxiety, and mental health. The founder was also an immigrant from Bangalore. Yamini connected with the group immediately. It's a bunch of us. People like me, we call ourselves the storytellers. And we basically just go up there and talk about like our experience with mental health and, you know, why we decided to get help and how we're spreading. It's our, our, the whole thing is to spread a message of hope. My first time talking in front of an audience, like 50 people. I was super nervous after that. Just like the response I got, you know, afterwards, after the show's over, just standing in the lobby and having all these people come up to me and tell me how. They related so much to my story and how, like, it's so inspiring that I said this. And, like, for me, I didn't feel like I was inspiring. I just felt really nervous. And just to hear, like, how, how many people could relate to what I was saying, it was kind of, like, addictive. Like, I wanted to do it again. Yamini is now studying at George Washington University. She continues to speak on how mental health affects everyone, including immigrant communities. I want to be someone who makes more, like, direct one-on-one -on -one change with individuals. I think for me, you know, being a young Indian student here, so many Indian kids are going through the same exact thing. You know, there's so much pressure that's put onto us. 
I mean, I'm fortunate in the fact that my parents have never academically pressured me to be something I don't want to be or, you know, be like a straight A student. But that's not the case for everyone. And there's so many things that go, go on in people's lives. I'm putting myself out there and like if someone can relate to my story and that inspires them to tell their parents or tell someone and get help, like then that's like what I'm doing it for. I always had these big dreams of, like I really want to help people. I really want to like make a change. But like if I don't change myself or like take care of myself, then it's not going to happen. Like, I st- definitely still have like a lot of days that I feel the same as I did in eighth grade. But I think I'm happy with where I'm at right now. And I think that I'm better equipped to deal with things now than I was then. You have to decide, am I going to continue down this dark hole or am I going to get up and like actually fight for my life? And that's not always easy to do, but sometimes choosing the hard way is what saves you. If you're suffering from depression or having thoughts of self-harm, get help. Call 1-800-273-8255 or text the crisis line. You can text HELLO to 741741. Both services are free and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Someone is there to help. Many Roads to Hear is a production of The Immigrant Story in collaboration with Portland Radio Project. This episode was produced by me, Caitlin Dwyer. Monica Salazar conducted the original interview in winter of 2019. Our audio editing was done by Rick March, assisted by Gordon Graham. Music was composed by Denzel Mendoza. Our executive producer is an organizational mastermind, Sankar Rahman. For more stories, stream us at prp.fm or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.